This is Francis Tafon, and you're watching the TV Writer Podcast. Hosted by Gray Jones, the TV Writer Podcast is brought to you by Script Magazine and ScriptMag.com, the leading source for script writing information in print and on the web. My name is Gray Jones, and I'm the host of the TV Writer Podcast, partner of Script Magazine. This is episode 84, and I'm here with Francis Tapon, who is all the way from Africa. And this is actually the very first time having somebody from the African continent. How are you doing, Francis? I'm doing great, Gray. Now, you Thank actually you. aren't from Africa. You're from San Francisco. Tell me a little bit about um, why we're doing this podcast today. Well, basically, I'm going to be launching this big uh, show idea that I have, which is to go to every single country in Africa and then film episodes about this whole journey. So I'm spending four years traveling 54 countries, all 54 African countries, about a month in each country, and I want to document that through a television show. Very, very cool. So, so I've, uh, I've talked to people before who, who decided to shoot their own pilot um, it's not necessarily the conventional approach. And, uh, and so I think people are really going to enjoy today because, um, first of all, it's, it, we haven't really talked about uh, somebody shooting a documentary, episodic documentary type uh, pilot, for one thing. And the other thing is, is I really think with a lot of the, the new ways of distributing television content that I think we're going to see a lot more people doing this. Um, and so... Uh, I think this will be a great sort of case study for for why this might be of benefit and what situations this might be of, of benefit. And uh, in particular, I think one absolute key and something that I have talked on the podcast before is the fact that um, generally speaking, you're a lot more successful in doing something like this on spec if you have some kind of pre-existing property. And so we will get a little bit into that because you are a world-renowned author and world traveler. Um, tell me about, you've, you've written a couple of books before, The Hidden Europe and also Hike Your Own Hike. Tell me a bit about that aspect of, of what you've been doing. Yeah, so basically I started off in the, in the business world in high tech and I eventually asked myself, what would I do if I had a billion dollars? What would I do with my time? And I realized, you know, I'd just be traveling the world if I had, you know, had that much money, I'd just be going out. So I decided, well, why not just restructure my life in order to just do that? And so that's what I did. And uh, from there, I decided, well, I don't want to just travel. I want to write about it and kind of share some of those experiences with people. And so that's why I wrote those, those two books. One is about hiking the Appalachian Trail. And then later I did the Pacific Crest Trail. And I walked from the Continental Divide Trail, went from Mexico all the way up to Canada and walked back that way. It was seven months, about 5,600 miles or about 9,000 kilometers. It was, a, it was a crazy trip. And that kind of put me on the map, if you will, for a lot of uh, backpackers and people who are into uh, outdoor stuff because nobody had ever done that round trip before. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I decided to go to Eastern Europe and I realized I don't want to just be the Mr. Backpacker guy. And so I wanted to capture cultural sides of countries as well, not just their wilderness. And so I went to Eastern Europe for three years 25 countries, and I wrote a book, one chapter per country. And then finally came Africa, 54 countries. I figured 54 chapters to write a book. But then I thought, why not go one step further and capture it visually? Mm -hmm. and, and so this is, uh, it's very unique. Um, it, the, the, the whole idea, I mean, it's, it's an excellent idea for a series, and it, and it really makes sense because 
Um, and I know you've, you've, you mentioned on your, your website a lot about why you wanted to call this, the name of it, The Unseen Africa, is because most people from North America and, and a lot of people around the world think of Africa as this just one big country. And, That's and right. It's, and, it's, yeah. and it's not. So, so tell me about why you wanted to go the unseen Africa instead of the seen Africa, so to speak. Now, I just love, you know, it's like the title of my second book is called the, the Hidden Europe because it was the same problem and in some ways. When people talk about things that are European, inevitably it's something about France, Italy, uh, Britain, uh, uh, Germany, Spain, Western Europe. Then what about that other Europe, that hidden Europe? All the stuff like Slovenia, Slovakia, Croatia, uh, Serbia. And so Africa suffers from some of the same problem. We kind of have this, like you say, we think of it as one country. And I just know there's a lot more granularity in, in there. There's got to be some differences in between Guinea and Guinea-Bissau. These are two different countries. And, mm. you know, what's the difference? Um, and so I wanted to kind of help viewers get to know a little bit more and a little bit uh, get to, people understand that Africa is a diverse place and also get beyond the stereotypical images that we see about Africa. It's always wildlife, primitive tribes, uh, you know, that kind of stuff that we, we typically see. And so I want to go a, a step further and like, well, how do people actually live? What, you know, what's the everyday life? And is there really a war going on everywhere you step um, or not? Uh, is everybody starving or not? And so I wanted to capture the sides of Africa that I think the majority of Africans actually live, and they don't actually live like we see them on television most of the time on, this, on, on these networks, these classic images that we all have of Africa. Mm -hmm. and, and so uh, I, I totally agree with you. I think if you would ask people to write down the 10 things they think about Africa um, or impressions they have, they might talk about, you know, war in Ghana. They might talk about uh, maybe maybe they've heard of South Africa. Maybe they talk that oh Serengeti, the Serengeti, all these cool animals and and wait lions, <laughs> you know, and, and and it's like I bet you most people couldn't even come up with ten things, and let alone twenty or thirty. And yet there's fifty four unique countries, and right. and each one is as different from the next as France is from United States. Um, Absolutely. And so t tell me about, just, just off the top of your head, some of the unseen things that might surprise people. Uh, for What surprised me, for example, is when I was in the Western Sahara, which is a region of uh, Morocco, or could be an independent country for some people's opinion, but the bottom line is these uh, nomads, the way they cooked their bread, they put it, they made a little fire in the dirt, put the bread inside the dirt, and, and let the ashes and the hot ashes kind of cook the bread. And then they just, you know, basically clean all the ashes off and then eat it. And it was delicious. That was something I just never expected to see. It was just wow. incredible. Um, and so there's uh, the way, you know, the way some of the food preparations uh, goes on uh, is, is, is totally unique. I was seeing these, uh, the women who are just kind of bash the yams in, uh, mm -hmm. in, this, in this kind of coordinated fashion. Um, and, and the fact that, uh, there's all sorts of, you know, and there's also something that's surprising is just how many people actually have electricity, mm -hmm. <laughs> running water. Um, and this image that we have that everybody's living in trees and everybody's in the jungle 
it's not true. I mean, most people actually have it. Now, yes, there is problems with electricity. Like I've had five power cuts today. I'm in Niger right now. Uh, but in general, it's a lot more civilized, if you will, than we imagine uh, for those who, who've only seen stuff on television. Mm -hmm, right. Like the, um, there's lots of entrepreneurs. People have Internet, cell phones. Um, and tell me a little bit about, in particular about the cell phones, uh, how, how that's um, significant. Well, 80% of the people have cell phones, um, and there's actually more cell phones than people in Africa. There's about over, there's 1.1 billion people, and there's probably about 1.2 billion cell phones. Um, but that's because, of course, some people have two or three cell phones. Um, and the thing is, is that's what's fascinating, is that people can use their cell phones to send money to them. They're basically mini bank accounts. And so you've got your cell phone, and if you go up and you want to pay for your gasoline, you know, for to fill up your, your tank, you can just send an SMS. When you get to the gas station, they have a certain number, and boom, you just type it in, boom, and you send like 30 bucks, boom, they'll give you gas through your cell phone. Something we don't even do much in America. Do we do that? I mean, I haven't been to America for about a year now. I've been in Africa. Have, do they do uh, that anymore? I'm, I'm, I'm the wrong guy to ask. I haven't been there. been here that long. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, haven't seen it have, anyway. You filled up your tank of gas, right? Yeah. Um, I have. I mean, I haven't used my cell phone. I know people are using their cell phones to pay for like Starbucks, but um, yeah, I know that. But anyway, the bottom line is, in here in Africa, there's uh, it, there's in certain pockets, especially in Kenya. Kenya is the big leader in this. Using what's called mobile money, in other words, right there on your cell phone. It's something that you're just not. We don't associate technology in Africa. Africa in the same sentence. Mm -hmm. and yeah, and, so then, and, and there's other, other things also like, say, for instance, there's Muslim countries there, Morocco being one of them, and there and it's a place where a lot of the political leaders now are women, and you never think um, Africa, Muslim country, women in power. I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, the ma the mayor of Marrakesh is a woman, um, and there's definitely a movement on that whole issue. Um, so. And that's the other thing is that we, we imagine also all the Muslims to be the same. But you can see many different flavors of Islam being practiced within Africa. You've got the North Africans, you know, who are mostly Arabs. Um, they have a, a certain way of practicing Islam. And then you go to Senegal, for example, where they do their prayer more than five times a day, sometimes six times a day. So they seem hardcore about it, but they're totally laid back in so many other ways. And so uh, women don't necessarily have to be veiled, all sorts of things. So... There's all sorts of nuances in how people practice their religion. And also, here's another fascinating thing, is how they mix these indigenous kind of uh, animist beliefs mm -hmm. with their, you know, these famous religions such as Christianity and Islam. And so, for example, they might have voodoo-type practices but call themselves Christian. Wow. <laughs> so it's just... It's just a fascinating way of, of practicing Christianity, practicing uh, Islam, and they, but they, they mix it up constantly with some of their indigenous beliefs and their idea of the spirit world and, and that kind of stuff. So just the fascinating stuff that we don't uh, talk about or see much about on television. And, you know, I want to capture that. Very, very cool. So, so you've got a great idea. And I do want to mention, this is a TV writing podcast, but in particular with TV writing, um, the goal of most people is they, they want to get their content on the air. It's like, I want my show to get on the air. Now, the, the typical way that this is done 
is, or at least the traditional way that it's been done, is that, uh, is that networks will take thousands upon thousands upon thousands of pitch meetings. And then at these pitch meetings, you'll say, this is my idea. And if they spark to it, they might commission a script or commission a, a, a pilot with, with reality TV and documentary TV. You might do a sizzle reel, so to speak, of maybe some sample footage of your host um, in action. And, uh, and you'll get them to approve that and give you a bunch of money before you go off and shoot your TV show. Um, why in particular did you want to go a different route with that? Why did you, why did you want to do Kickstarter? Why did you want to do crowdfunding? Um, why are you confident about that? And, and why, why do you want to go the non-traditional route of, uh, of, of doing your own pilot first? Well, that's a good question. I mean, first of all, even though I'm kind of a known quantity in some ways in the backpacking world, having written books, that kind of stuff, I'm kind of unknown as far as the television world. Nobody knows me as a host. I've never hosted a television show. I've not some big video following. I'm not on, I don't have a YouTube channel with you know, thousands and thousands of people uh, uh, subscribed to it. So I realized that my weakness was the fact that I really wasn't well known in that space. And so I can either try to convince somebody that, and that's really hard, but the best way you can convince somebody is with a sizzle reel, and if you really have the money and the time, is to do a whole pilot episode. Then that answers a lot of questions, that a lot of doubts and a lot of things that people have, you can, you can kind of attack all those things and just say, hey, listen, you don't think I can do those? Just watch that. If you think I suck? Great. If otherwise, uh, give, me, give me the time to, to actually do a full episode. Hmm. And so, so you, because of your books and because of a lot of other th- things, you were able to finance a good part of it. You were able to finance getting to Africa and a lot of your uh, initial startup costs uh, were covered there. Uh, what, what part does the Kickstarter play in this? Well, Kickstarter is important for several reasons. Number one, obviously, it's money. But the thing that some people that they don't think about is publicity. The, the nice thing about Kickstarter is that it forces you to have the set amount of time, 30 days often, to really push hard in order to raise the money fast. And so that's the advantage of Kickstarter, I think, is that it, 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 it encourages sharing. So when somebody pledges 100 bucks for your show and really likes it and wants to see the thing done, well, then he's going to tell his 100 friends on Facebook or his 1,000 friends on Facebook about it. And so what it does is creates this momentum. Hmm. And something beautiful happens in that. Something is bound to happen. Because guess what? If 10,000 people hear about it one way or another, one of those people might be a decision maker in, in a television network mm-hmm. and might say, aha, I like this show, and that's how they hear about it. If you just go about it, let's say, finding sponsors on your own, and you get United Airlines to give you $5,000, you get some other company to give you $10,000, and wow, I got $15,000, I can do my own pilot. Great, but the problem is you missed out on that whole marketing engine that Kickstarter forces you to do, in order because you're not going to raise jack if you don't have some sort of marketing behind it. And so you, you, a lot of people just post projects on, face, uh, on, on, on Kickstarter with this expectation that all of a sudden people are going to discover it on their own. Wrong! <laughs> the way you have to do the promotion 
to get at least the snowball starting to roll. And then ideally it will pick up from there. Well, that, that's, that's actually fascinating because um, I, I've never thought of it, th- thought about it that way. Um, the, when people have talked about doing Kickstarter campaigns before that I know, a lot of people are thinking, I want to build a following first so that I can be confident that this Kickstarter campaign is going to work. Um, which I mean, I absolutely know there's a place for that because you've got to have kind of a foundation to work from. But, That's right. um, but what I hear you saying is that the Kickstarter campaign is a lot of how you get a greater following or how you kind of, um, uh, invest your foundation into a much bigger, um, audience. That's better said the second way that you said that I would agree with that because again, I don't want people to think. I don't know anybody. I'm living in a closet for the last 20 years. I'm just going to post it on Kickstarter and then that will create my following. No, that's not going to work. You definitely do need to have a following and a platform you know, before you start your Kickstarter. So if you don't know anybody, begin by having a following and, 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 and starting to branch out and get out of the house a little bit and get people to know about your project. So that's step one. It's still true. But my point is, yes, you're right. Then what you can do is leverage Kickstarter to then build that following even more. And that will help you later on help the project be successful. Very, 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 very cool. And, and now I, I, I didn't mention before, but I think I should mention now, you do have an MBA from Harvard. So um, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that MBA from Harvard has taught you a few things about... Um, the smarts Smart. end of things. <laughs> if I want to yeah, put it that way. no. It, it, it what it does. Uh, what Harvard Business School teaches people is to build companies mm-hmm. and to make, make them successful. And a lot of what making a, a company successful is marketing. And so I, you know, to me that was a very important part of it. Is is that's how you because if you think about it, think about all the products in the world that you that you have. Is Nike really the best shoe out there? Maybe no. not. Uh, is Microsoft operating the best operating system out there? So on and on. There's a lot of times where the the number one market share leader is not the best. So mm-hmm. marketing plays a big role, and so I kind of bring that to the table when it comes to whatever I have to do. Mm-hmm. And and so so tell me more about um, so as you're as you're doing this pilot and the Kickstarter is is a is a part of making that happen, part of a part of finishing the pilot, so to speak. Um, so that it's ready for broadcast. It's ready for broadcast, but what happens then? So what happens after the pilot's finished? Yeah, you, after you finish the pilot, how how do you plan to turn this into the 54-episode series? Uh, how, how do you plan to get this on the air? Uh, how to sell this? Yeah, that is the key point is working with a producer because unfortunately I'm going to be in Africa until 2017, so you're, you're, yeah, so you're going to all these countries no matter what. That's right. And so I, I'm not going back to America. So I'm not going to troll around Hollywood or anywhere to like beg producers to do it. So I, unfortunately, it's really hard, I admit, to sell a show when you're stuck in Africa. So the only way I'm going to make this happen is hand, partner up with a producer who has contacts in the major networks and collaborate with that producer to make the show happen. That's the only way. And if I can, the best way I can help that producer be successful 
mm-hmm. is to hand them a wonderful sizzle reel uh, trailer pilot episode and say, hey, here you go. Let's, and, and that's the best sales tool that that producer can have in order to make his job or her job easier and make the likelihood of success the best. Hmm. Now, are, are you be. thinking about, say, for instance, um, would you put the pilot into film festivals that have TV, uh, that, that have a TV focus? Or would you put, put it into um, competitions? Would you put it into try to get it on PBS or a place that might air it as a one-off, so to speak? Are you, are you trying to get it in front of people or, or are you hoping to go straight for the sale? And, and, and have it right on air that way? I'm going to go in a parallel process. So I'm definitely going to go right for the sale. I think I've got all the material needed. And the, the other problem in my case is that no matter what, I keep moving forward. I spend about a month per country. Mm-hmm. And so every month that goes by is more countries that have passed me by. And that means that let's say if all of a sudden the Discovery Channel tomorrow decides they want to pick up the show. Well, I've just already been to 17 countries and they may say, well, can you go back and reshoot all those countries? Cause we didn't like the way the fact that you didn't have a full crew on there with mm-hmm. you. And then I got to go back and reshoot that. So that's why I need to p- push that now, but you're right. Film festivals and other stuff I can do in order to increase the exposure of the film. That's going to be another parallel uh, avenue. So mm-hmm. you gotta, you definitely have to, uh, branch out and try multiple approaches, but ideally, I, I I just use these tools right now to sell the show right away. Hmm. It, it does it does come across, and, and I have talked to a lot of people on the podcast more and more um, in a number of different areas of the industry. Uh, and the impression I get is that um, we have to be a lot more entrepreneurial, perhaps than we than we had to be five or ten years ago. Um, and, and tell me how that plays into your process. Entrepreneurial, entrepreneur, people who have an entrepreneurial spirit mm-hmm. are really going to benefit in this world today because now all of a sudden it's much easier. The classic example, of course, is YouTube. Mm-hmm. You can just put up everything and, and do it all yourself and get a huge following and actually make some money. There's rare cases of people like, you know, like Ray William, Ray William Johnson or whatever his name is. Uh, he has a, you know, huge following on, 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 on YouTube. So that to me, you have to be entrepreneurial. Um, and there's another thing I would add is your own brand. Hmm. Uh, more and more, uh, even if you're working for Google, uh, you want to create a brand for yourself so that if in one day you decide to leave Google and you're going to go to another company, you've already got a following a brand or whatever. And so that's happening more and more, uh, today where all of a sudden, uh, even if you're working on a big company, you got to build your own identity and uh, and protect that and uh, have a following because you never know if you're always going to be at the same company or doing the same thing. So that is an entrepreneurial thing in the end. Hmm. So so we've we've talked about a few ideas already here. One one of them is is this this brand thing. Another one is leverage. Um, so as I look at say for instance your your path through this, you, you wrote a book about, uh, about hiking across America, but then you also did a lot to promote that book. You were on TV shows, did interviews and, and things like that. And so you were establishing your brand in this way and also trying to leverage the one property 
you know, in order to get in these media outlets and, and that kind of thing, and then use that to leverage going to Europe, use that book to leverage Africa. Um, and so is this the kind of thing that you're, you're talking about when being entrepreneurial? Yes. And I think in the end, you have to come up with your own business plan. I mean, here's the thing is a lot of times people can, uh, they can look for a publicist who's going to try to solve all these things for them. But in the end, you, the creator, are the best publicist. And I know, you know, I watch a lot of Kickstarter videos and I can tell a lot of these directors and these creators are extremely camera shy and they just like, they start their, their, their pitch like, oh, I really don't want to do this. I don't want to be here, <laughs> but I have to. <laughs> so, I mean, this is, and you can see they're totally uncomfortable. We've got to get comfortable with pitching and selling your idea, your, your, your big idea. And that's entrepreneurial spirit that you've mm. got to have in this world today. I think it's more important than ever to have that, to kindle that and to make it happen. And, and I, I think it's really, really important to mention. Well, actually, in one, one thing that just came out this week, um, I saw it on nofilmschool.com, is that YouTube actually is introducing features where you don't even need Kickstarter, so to speak, but they're actually introducing features over the next few, few months where when you upload content to YouTube, you can actually have people donate right to your channel. Um, so, yep. you, so a person can give you kind of a virtual tip for that episode, or they can they can contribute to your um, your channel right from YouTube. They, I mean, that's tremendous, especially for somebody who's doing who's doing a web series or or who wants that YouTube approach um, to build their brand or build their their series idea. Um, then there's also a whole pile of players and new players announced all the time, um, starting with you know Netflix and Amazon, and then you've got MSN and, and a whole bunch of other um, people who want in this game and, uh, and add that to the hundreds of channels who are all vying for content. It, it seems like it's, I, I don't know if there's ever been a better time to be an independent producer. That's right. And, and it's the same issue that's going on in the publishing world, by the way. More and more authors are deciding to jump ship and self-publish because they're getting better deals selling directly on Amazon. They can make 70% for versus before they're only making 20%. So, and everybody's buying books online digitally. So it's the same thing in the, in the, in the, in the TV uh, video world. You're starting to see the same thing happen. Very, very That's exciting. Yeah. It's, it's exciting, but it's, it's also really scary. In, um, it's in, intimidating. It, yeah. It's very inti intimidating because in the traditional way, it was tough, but there were there was sort of pre-existing rules on how you did everything, and so you would have to be you have you would have to learn how to do that pre-existing path. But once you learned it, you could do it with confidence. Now you you've got to sort of blaze your own trail, hike your own hike, so to speak, through through all of this. <laughs> and and there's no rules on how you go to. Um, Amazon to, to get this done or, or say for instance Netflix is just starting to do documentaries you you're writing your own playbook um, if you yeah. go to a player like that and say I I want you to do this here's why I think you should even though you've never done it before right no and you look at Ray William Johnson again you know the guy has a bigger following on YouTube than a lot of TV shows <laughs> you know like minor TV shows should I say you know like uh, 
it's incredible. I mean, that guy, he just built it all up from there. And so nowadays, in the past, you really want to get on ABC, NBC, you know, on one of the three networks, right? Well, then came cable, then came satellite television, now comes the internet. And so there's just so many different ways you can go about uh, getting your message or getting your work sold and making a living effectively. And yeah, it's intimidating all the options, but overall I would say it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Very, very cool. So um, probably the, the thing that we need to do at this point is, is talk about the Kickstarter campaign in, in this particular project. Tell me about the Kickstarter camp campaign more specifically. Um, how, how long does it run? When does it run? What do people get if they, if they give towards this? Why do you think they should, um, etc.? It starts on May 25th, 2014, and it lasts for 30 days. And so it's basically uh, the best way to see it. Well, I guess you're going to have a link to it. Mm -hmm. But it's, uh, the way Kickstarter works is that you offer rewards. So not, it's not just, beg me, give me some money, please, give me 100 bucks, give me 20 bucks. But no, give me 20 bucks, and I'm going to give you a gift. And so... That's basically, I structured it, got a ton, a ton of thousands and thousands of dollars of rewards. And the idea is uh, you encourage people that way to give you some money, and then you use the profit in order to produce the show. Very, very cool. And, uh, and so with, with this um, Kickstarter, people can find out more information at africa54.com is the place? Yeah, that's an easy way to remember. Or it, if the other way is... To remember, it is theunseenafrica.com. But I, I think Africa 54 is more memorable yeah. for most people yeah. just hearing it. And your own website, francistapon.com, um, also That's covers right. a lot more other things like your books and, and things like that. Everything, yeah. And you can get to my website through africa54.com as well. By the way, if you're hearing that, that's, it's pouring rain. We're in the Sahara, but it's actually <laughs> in rain season. Yeah. It's raining. It hasn't rained in like so long. Incredible. Very, very cool. And, and actually, there's a, a trailer on that Kickstarter page that shows, um, just gives a, a much more of a taste for, uh, for what this is about. Um, yeah, there's, there's actually two videos that you can see there. One is the trailer, three minutes, and then the second uh, video is about uh, the actual pitch, you know, like my appeal hmm. to people. So they're both worth watching. They're both fun. Yeah, very cool. So, so, Hopefully the, the Kickstarter campaign will succeed and, and you can put the finishing touches on this, this pilot episode, get it all mixed and color corrected and, and ready to go. But tell me about, um, you, I mean, you have shot all of this now. You've shot like over 10 countries. What have you learned through this process um, that might be, say, say if somebody else were to want to shoot their own um, documentary style episodic series and wanted, wanted to shoot their own pilot what advice could you give them that would help them get started maybe help um with some of the mistakes that you've made that they wouldn't have to make etc use a tripod <laughs> 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 so yeah sometimes I, a lot of times i take shots and I, I don't use the tripod and then afterwards i i look at the shot and you think you're holding it steady but you're not mm -hmm. so that's uh, that's a big one, but um, there are so many uh, different things to do that you could learn. By the way, is it annoying you all this noise? Uh, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Sorry. Um, so basically, uh, 
you have to, as much as possible, in an ideal world, get an idea of what you want people to see. In my case, I made the mistake, if you will, of just going about and just shooting anything I saw because I had the luxury of time, hmm. which is very different than I think most TV shows where they're very structured. I had the exact opposite. I just went out there and decided to wing it every single day and let serendipity take it. But uh, I think that if, uh, if somebody else wants to do their own thing, you do want to kind of plan it out and have a fixer who kind of helps you out and, and plan out your day. That's one of the critical things. Um, the other thing is, uh, you know, try as, as soon as possible in the process to make the, your initial episode because you're going to learn a lot making that initial episode as opposed to in my case, I made it, waited a year, a shot for a year before I actually cut anything. Wow. So, but that was mainly because of a series of, of problems on my end, technical issues and, and, and people issues and finding editors, that kind of stuff. But that wasn't my addition, original plan. But make sure if you decide to do this, to get it done quickly. Hmm. Right from the start. Cool. And, and would you would you recommend working up to it, maybe doing smaller videos first? Or do you think it's valuable to just go ahead and shoot the whole thing? Well, I mean, shooting the whole thing is expensive for sure. And so most people can't afford that. And most people are going to just want to shoot a sizzle reel. And and you can do quite a bit with just a sizzle reel and you can make a, a very nice one. So but if you have the money, I just and especially if you don't have name brand recognition already. Mm hmm then the closer you can get to the final product, the better. So if you can shoot an entire season's worth and you've got the time and money, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, most people don't have that kind of time and money, so all they can get away with is sizzle reel. Hmm. Well, and, and, and I have heard, um, I interviewed uh, Corinna Mendes on the podcast before. She went and shot her uh, a whole pilot episode for, for her ser the series that she wanted to do. And what I heard loud and clear from her is that even if this never gets aired on TV, that she learned a ton doing it and that whatever next project she did was going to be so much better because of what she learned in the process. Would you say that that's been true of your process as well? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I was, this is a baptism by fire and I certainly learned a ton. And I think in the end, school is great. Listening to podcasts and getting kind of, you know, reading, reading books and that kind of stuff. It's all great. Education is fantastic. You got to do it. But in the end, doing it, doing it is the most important thing is the quickest learning tool. Uh, it's going to be an expensive learning tool, but it's the way to do it. So I can, I would agree with her. I mean, future episodes that I shoot are going to be so much better from having uh, shot the, the trailer, shot all the footage I've done. So, but so I encourage you going out there, do some, do as much as you can. For example, shooting stock, stock video. That's also another great way to learn a lot about the whole process. Hmm. So, well, that's it. Yeah, that's it. That, that is a great point because I, I know there a lot of people and even in the context of scripted television, like even not outside of documentary television, I, I hear a lot of, um, people who are trying to break in, but they end up being kind of career students where they're, they're reading tons of books. They're watching all these YouTube videos. They're, they're, um, maybe even taking online courses and things like that. 
but there's something different about having a camera in your hand and actually going to the location and shooting and um and even even people who do break in maybe even at the staff writing level they won't ever be in a position to be on set or in front of the camera or behind the camera until maybe they're many years into the industry and so um i i personally think there's tremendous value in in actually having a camera in your hand and trying it out what, like what you know when you write something on the page it's different when it comes out of the actor's mouth um when when you have an idea for power cut oh uh, well it will wrap up pretty pretty quick but anyway the, the point the point is that uh, there's something different that happens when you go out with your camera and things happen that that you could never predict so so that's been your experience Absolutely. I mean, you, you do learn, there's, you learn so much by doing something. So that's the key thing is that you have to not just film, which is what you're talking about, right? but you got to be on the other side of the screen as well. The editing side, you've got to learn how, what it takes to put together a video and to watch what the hell you just shot. Mm. So that's really important as well. So I would say, um, not just go out there, but try to be the whole cycle, because if you understand from the writer's perspective and then to, you know, filming and the lights and then you understand the editing process and the post-production process and then the marketing and promotion side of everything and you do that whole full circle, then you understand the whole, and you may not be an expert at everything and you're probably not going to be an expert, but at least you understand it. And so then you can, because once you understand like, oh, I understand what people in post-production like and what it makes it easier if I do it this way, then you when you're shooting things, you shoot it that way. Or when you write things, your script or whatever is more clear for people. When you understand <laughs> the people actually having to read it and execute your script. So that's why it's important to just get involved in the whole process. And that's, again, why being an entrepreneur, entrepreneurs typically have to do it all when they're starting small. They benefit because they get all, all these uh, skill sets that they're forced to have to at least get some level of knowledge. And that's why... It's important to go out there and just do it. And and I encourage people to do just that. Very cool. And and who's to say, I mean, if, if you found out that Amazon or Netflix w was interested, do you care that it's not on the Travel Channel or Discovery? I mean, you've made the sale and you get to produce a show, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's not about, uh, you know, to me, it's about making a living doing what you love to do. And so I love to travel. And there's a lot of ways to make a living off that. One way I could just write books, but doing a TV show is also another good way. And I enjoy it. So if they're paying my bills, great. I don't care if nobody watches it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if they can put it on Amazon in some corner. And nobody sees it, gets five views. My mom watches it five times. That's good enough for me. Uh -huh. And as long as they're paying my paycheck, hey, that's good. So... You know, you got to do what you love and, uh, and eventually uh, you'll find a way to make money. <laughs> Very cool. Well, I think that's a great place to, to end it up. So uh, I urge everybody to go to francistapon.com, africa54.com, theunseenafrica.com. Any of those places they can get information about the Kickstarter, about your books, about your work. You've got a, um, blog postings that you do there about fascinating stuff about hiking and backpacking. And, uh, and as well, Twitter, at Francis Tapon. 
Uh, F Tapon. Oh, F Tapon. F Tapon. Okay. So, yeah. uh, so definitely, if uh, if people and are that's interested, my, U- my, U- my YouTube channel is also F Tapon. So F Tapon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and in particular, if people are interested about this this journey that you're already on, they can find out a lot of updates in any of those places. That's right. Really Very appreciate cool. you having me on, Gray. Yeah. Well, uh, best of luck to you. I hope your power stays on a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I look forward to great news about series sale and all that kind of stuff. Thank you. Thank you all okay. for watching. Bye bye. Visit tvwriterpodcast.com for tons of resources, including a TV Writer Twitter database with over a thousand writers, links to hundreds of free TV scripts, pilots, and Bibles. You can find the audio-only versions of this podcast through the Script Magazine iTunes feed. You can also find the video version at plenty of places, iTunes, Blip.tv, YouTube, tvwriterpodcast.com, and of course at scriptmag.com. I want to thank this week's sponsors, Total Training, thousands of hours of online training at totaltraining.com, Rode Microphones at rodemic.com, Indie System, affordable US-made camera support gear at indiesystem.com, Red Giant software effects plugins at redgiant.com, Elgato, makers of ITV computer-based DVRs at elgato.com. For information on how you can advertise your product, service, or yourself for as little as $30, visit tvwriterpodcast.com and click on Advertise. Thanks for joining me. Look forward to seeing you next time. Bye-bye. Hosted by Gray Jones, the TV Writer Podcast is brought to you by Script Magazine and ScriptMag.com, the leading source for scriptwriting information in print and on the web. (laughs) 